You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, the uh, Super Bowl halftime show was announced yesterday, um, the weekend, which, after listening to a couple songs, I realized I do know who that is. I've never heard the name before, but... uh, I've casually picked up a couple songs here and there. When everybody was jumping on me about not knowing who that is, it made me wonder, how do you guys know about new music? Because back in the day, you just had the radio. So you turn on the radio, and that's how you hear new... I mean, I I knew one of the songs from TikTok. I have no idea where I hear these other songs from. I don't know. I, I've heard them somewhere. I don't know where I hear them from. Because the music I listen to is I go to Spotify, and I type in music that I feel like listening to, and that's it. Occasionally, I'll go on YouTube and find some really good music. That's where you find, like, I don't know what you call it, but stuff that you're just, you know, you discover some pretty crazy stuff on YouTube, which I appreciate. I just It just made me wonder that. I don't know. Like, if you want to be up on, unless that's just like a like being up on fashion, you have to stay up on it, like, go to websites where it's like, what's the new cool thing? How should I dress? What do you tell me what to do? Unless you're doing that, I don't know how you, like, stay up on fashion. Same with music. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's... It's huge. Maybe you can just subscribe to, what is it, Vivo or whatever that is on YouTube. They're always playing new popular music. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I know a lot of it. I don't even know where I know it from. I'm just curious. How do we know these things? And you know better than I do, but I just, it seems weird to me. Everything's on demand now, right? It's kind of like if there's a new TV show. How I wouldn't know. How would I know that? I don't watch television to see the commercials saying, hey, check out our new television show. I don't watch television. I don't know. Netflix, who I do have YouTube TV now, so maybe if they blast it on TV when the football game's on, but I don't watch the commercials. Just curious, I don't know, because everyone's like, how do you not know who this person is? Like, how do you know who this I mean, granted, you know, the songs have got 300 million listens or whatever, which I guess isn't even that much. Some of these guys, man. What is it? Uh, Takashi. That dude gets like a billion, maybe it's not a billion, but it's like day one, hundreds of millions. I don't know. I'm just, I just want, it's interesting, because it's a weird time we live in. Weird to me, I guess. If you're young, this is just all you've ever known. So the question's kind of for you. How how in this world do you find new stuff? Because I'm out there just picking... It's like a buffet line, which seems like is an analogy that pops up in my podcast pretty regularly. I haven't been to a buffet in a while, and I miss it. But, you know, I'm just putting the stuff I like on my plate. I, you know, hey, we got a new item in the back corner. I do... Shush. Prime rib. Shut it. I want to hear about your new shrimp popcorn chicken in the back. But anyways, it made me wonder if I wanted to do like my own Super Bowl halftime show. And for some reason in my mind, I wanted to pair everybody off rather than just have a list. So I, I came up with three groups of two, so six total bands. And I don't know why exactly. And I'm a little bit sad that I left Metallica off because that was like my favorite band growing up as a kid. I mean, it fluctuated, but like for the largest period of time. But they didn't make the cut. 
I was listening, again, Spotify, just grab whatever you want. And I just, every once in a while I get on this kick, partially because I can kind of do the voice, and I love singing along to it in my car, just screaming as loud as I can. Thing is, though, I can only get to that, it takes me a while to get to that voice, because you got to destroy your throat, and then I can only stay in that range for about 15 seconds, and then it, my throat gets so bad I can't talk anymore. But boy, is it fun. But the first duo that I would put at the Super Bowl halftime show, which is kind of my, like, classic rock, which again was sort of my thing for the longest period of time, that would probably get me the most excited, would be Guns N' Roses and Judas Priest. Right, so you kick it off with a little... Followed by... Or, if I wanted to go a little bit heavier, which I think would be kind of cool, even though it would be the probably least appealing to the most amount of people. And this is where I wanted to slot Metallica, but I felt like one, the one that I really wanted is a little bit too heavy, so I went the heavier direction. But it would be Rammstein. Followed by Slipknot. Or the one that I actually think everybody could get behind, which one of these I think everybody would really like, and it's sort of a back-from-the-dead kind of situation. I mean, not sort of, it just is. But this one would just be fun. Complete change of pace, but it would get me the most excited, and I think most people would get behind it. But it's George Clinton. Followed by none other than James Brown. Bring the house down, man. It's not a question. And if you weren't dancing along to get up off of that thing, you can get up off my podcast. Now, it's one of those things like when I went down the rabbit hole of what is the most 90s song ever, and you just keep coming up with new ones like, oh, it's probably this one. It could be this one. It's probably that one. It's definitely that one. There's never going to be an answer. If I keep thinking about this, it's never going to go anywhere. So I felt like once I had this trio of duos, it felt good. I got the classic rock. I got the heavy stuff, and then I got just, I don't know, whatever. I guess my real answer. <laughs> that, would be, that would be my official answer if I had to pick. And I couldn't care less if a bunch of 19-year-olds says, who's George Clinton? I don't care. I got to suffer through your garbage every day of my life. You're going to shut up and listen to George Clinton for a little bit. But, uh, but that's what I did yesterday. <laughs> it wasn't just coming up with the bands, but I had to find the right songs, too. And that was a chore, because there's a bunch of compete. I mean, even even the ones I settled on, there were probably two or three per band, and it was just a matter of which one I could find the fastest this morning, so I can kind of move on with things. But that's where I'm at, man. That's another hard thing about Metallica, too. Like, what, what Metallica song do you pick? See, now I want to think about it. Because I don't think I want to go, like, too mainstream. But also, if you go with, like, Kill em All, you're, you're kind of like, this isn't even Metallica. For most people, like this isn't even Metallica, even though that's a lot of people's favorite Metallica. They feel like after Ride the Lightning, everything's downhill. But Or Master of Puppets, I should say. And the song's got to hit right away. I can't sit here for a ten-minute intro, right? It's a Super Bowl. you got to come out and just smash it. I think if it's me, the, the, 
the Metallica album that I was most obsessed with. It was one of those things where I got the CD and I listened to it on loop for like a year. So it would get me the most excited and also fits the criteria of, you know, getting to the point. Might be Ride the Lightning. Anyways, that's enough of that. So today we're going to start the process of looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars. So as always, let's start off with the Packers injury report here. Um, Jair Alexander is still not practicing. It's not, I mean, it's just not looking good. I, if I had to guess, I mean, even yesterday I would have said I don't think he's going to play. Um, it's, just, it's just not looking good. But even so, I think things are looking up probably better than they have, geez, since what, week one? I think Devontae got hurt in week two. So if, if we assume, which maybe we shouldn't do, but if David Bakhtiari is playing and Aaron Jones is playing and Devontae is playing and Alan Lazard is playing, this is, I mean, and I'm including games in which the Packers offense was, was humming along like never before. We saw some of the best offensive production from one of the best Packers offenses we've seen since like 2011 while some of these guys were out. But they're all going to be playing, as far as I can see. Right now, Jair, um, Mercedes, and Darius Shepard are the only guys that did not practice. Limiteds, you got Kevin King, John Lovett, Will Redmond, and Vernon Scott. Oh, skipped a couple. Equinemius, Rick Wagner, Robert Tanyan. So, I mean, from from my perspective, um, given that this is sort of an underhand pitch to the Packers, the Jaguars. And I understand there's there's risk involved, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about it. We've got a couple days to talk about this game. This is just sort of a introduction. The fact is, especially against what has been, you know, you think about the fact that, well, you know, their offense, they, they don't have their quarterback and all that. Clearly, that's the problem. No, I don't mind their offense as much, although it hasn't been all that great. This is, and I feel like I've said this five, six, seven times about eight, nine, ten different defenses. I don't know how that's entirely possible to make that work, but this is one of the worst defenses in football, right? I mean, I talked about how the Vikings are starting to figure it out, um, and there's a difference between players and production, right? The Vikings should be the worst in, de- in, in all of football. They have one of the worst groups, but Zimmer kind of gets the best out of these guys, and there's still some solid pieces there, so they can kind of make it halfway work. The Jaguars are 31st in points, 31st in yards on defense, and everybody's pointing to the fact that they don't even have their starting quarterback. They got some rookie sixth-round pick out of, what is it, uh, Oregon State, who is their starting quarterback right now? So yeah, that's bad. But again, arguably the worst defense in football against arguably one of the best offenses in football that is, for the first time again, since probably week one, back to full strength. Full enough strength, right? Aaron Rodgers, um, the offensive line, as far as I can tell, is is good to go. You got Adams, you got Jones, you got Rodgers, you got uh, Lazard, you got Jamal, and take your pick of whatever tight end you feel excited about, with the exception of DeGuara, who obviously was the guy that I was most excited about, but it is what it is. We'll call it Tunyon, I guess. So, I mean, the the I don't want to have to say the sentence for the first time since week one again, but one more time. For the first time since week one, Matt LaFleur can open the playbook all the way up and do whatever he wants. Especially against this defense, it's like, man, if I want to have, like, forget it, I'm saying Tanya. If I want to have Tanya have a day, I, I can just, I can feature Tanya, because why not? The linebackers aren't good. Or if I want to attack the corners, we can do that, because Lazard is better than their corner, and Devontae's better than that corner. They're not good against the run. But, look, wh- it's hard to not get into specifics from here. 
So I think we're just going to have to take a break right now because it's already 4.30ish. Um, so let's real quick get that out of the way and then we'll kind of just launch into this. As always, Packernet Podcast Facebook page, Packernet Podcast Facebook group, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Um, otherwise, be sure to share it with your friends and family, etc., etc. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. With the best quality clothing you're going to find anywhere in an online clothing platform, built from technologically advanced superfibers backed by groundbreaking science, every item coming with a guarantee that if for any reason you don't love it, send it back, no questions asked. They've got polos, they got vests, they got workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, tongue twisters, socks, underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. If any of that sounds good to you, you go check it out. As always, every single thing, not just a couple of their shirts, no, 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 every single thing that you buy from them is wicking and fast drying. Wicking, as I discovered, means pulling water away to the surface meaning keeping you dry, and then obviously it evaporates, and ta-da! Fast drying is self-explanatory. Breathable, anti-static, which is my favorite thing ever. Does not mean no static, by the way, I've learned, but less static. And the piece de resistance eliminates odor with magic superfiber ninjas that kill bacteria and fungus that cause stink. Hashtag science. If you're getting their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and or running jacket, you've got, uh, that's from their Enduratech Plus fabric which means those items are water-repellent, as well as everything else that I listed. Iron Jock Performance Wear, now, now available for purchase at ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. For a closer look at their unique collection of apparel featuring silver ion technology, like them on Facebook, and follow them on Twitter at ironjock. Also, please don't forget about mybookie.ag. For some reason, and I'm struggling to figure out what it could possibly be, the Packers have actually fallen to only 13.5-point favorites. It's got to make you nervous. I mean, it's getting close. They were just 14, now 13.5. That trend continues. I mean, it could be 12 by game day. And then it's basically a toss-up. The over-under set at 50 points, meaning, which I always like to do do the math on this, 18 to 32 is kind of the, uh, it's kind of where Vegas is seeing this game at. Somewhere around 18 to 32 Packers. So if you're interested in doing those parlay-type things where you take the strong favorites, but you do a bunch of them, that way you can, you know, put in a small bet, do a bunch of obvious games like that, and still win a bunch of money, the Packers are perfect for that. If you're looking for some that are a little bit closer, Bears-Vikings, I think, is fantastic. If you've got a beat on who's going to win that one, even the Vikings, although they're favorites, it's not by much. Or if you think the Bears are going to stomp them out, that'd be a good one. Uh, Rams-Seahawks. That one stuns me. The Rams are one-point favorites. I'm not really buying it. It's got to be because the Rams' defense is pretty stout this year. So they assume that that'll be able to overcome the Seahawks, or at least slow down, especially with Aaron Donald against the Seahawks' offensive line. And then you figure the Rams up against the worst, again, worst defense in football, which is a title I use for about half the league. Um, I guess I could see it, but I, I it just seems surprising to me. The Rams have been disappointing. The Seahawks pretty much beat most teams in their wake with the exception of a handful that i don't know it is what it is i don't know i guess i don't care it's just again i'm just trying to spark something that one sparks something for me with seeing the rams one point favorites is like eh, i you know if i were a betting man that'd be a good one dolphins only one point favorites over the chargers cardinals are two and a half point favorites over the bills i don't think so no 
I'm not doing that. I haven't been doing my pick em lately, but I'll tell you right now, I'm taking the Bills in that game. I'm not even a huge fan of the Bills. I'm just a lesser fan of the Cardinals. I just, I don't know. Yeah, Eagles-Giants. Boy, oh boy. That's just, that's great. And then Cleveland is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Texans. Just just seeing if I could spark a little bit something. But either way, if you're planning on getting in on a little bit of the action, you got to use mybookie.ag. And when you sign up, please remember to use overtime as your promo code because you're going to get a free halfway match of your deposit, meaning if you put in 200 bucks, they're going to give you $100 free dollars in money to play with. I don't know why you would go anywhere else when you have an offer like that sitting on the table. So head over to mybookie.ag and win a little bit of cash while you're at it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so again, nothing super crazy in depth today, but just kind of a general overview. The, the Jaguars, I think, make us all a little bit nervous, but it's... <sighs> It's in part because they're not the most inept, inept roster I've ever seen. It's it's not a good one, but you know the Vikings had a pretty rough roster. Obviously, their offense was really solid, but we had a hard time against their defense, which may, you know it, it's just stuff like that. That whenever you see this is going to be an easy game, that's when you start to get nervous because it's like yeah, but we don't do good against those teams. <laughs> but man, when you look at this team again, they are 31st in points, 31st in yards on defense. That's what they've done this year. But their offense isn't much better. 26th in points, 21st in yards, easily could make a case for worst team in all of football. They're an absolute mess. They are 26th in turnovers with seven so far this season. I'm sorry, that's their defense. They're 22nd with 11 turnovers on offense. The only game in which they had zero turnovers is the one game that they won. They've had at least one turnover in every single game so far this season. The biggest weakness, I think, on this entire team is their pass defense. They are 32nd in net yards per attempt, meaning every time somebody throws the football, not completion, we're talking about per attempt. So this factors in interceptions, incompletions, throwaways, all that. On average, teams are completing 8.1 yard passes every time somebody throws a football. That's pretty wild. On average, when Aaron Rodgers drops back, you can expect almost a first down. (laughs) That's, That's... I'm not even factoring in whether it was complete or not. I'm just saying, betting odds, if he doesn't hand the ball off, this is going to be an eight-yard completion. Think about that. That's crazy. That's why they're dead last in the league in it. 
The Packers, by the way, unfortunately for the Jaguars, are fifth in that category, 7.4 yards per attempt. So that's going to be the biggest, you know, as much as it's going to be fun to kind of pick on their run defense, which is also not great, and get Aaron Jones going, which I'm sure we will, just like every game, that's going to be somewhat of a focus. Um, the real the real kicker here, the, the real just unstoppable force in this game is going to be the passing offense. And again, when you talk about, because because you know when the Packers lose, especially this year, and I know it's like a lame fan cop-out, we didn't lose, we beat ourselves. That's kind of been the case, though, this year for the Packers. The, I mean, just since Matt LaFleur got here, there hasn't really been a case where the Packers gave it their all, but just could, didn't quite come out on top. As a general rule, since Matt LaFleur got here, when they lose, it's because they implode. Which is not great. You don't like the imploding, but the fact of the matter is, when they're playing their best, they've they're basically undefeated. And so again, one of the biggest open and shut things here in my mind, as much as I try to psych myself out and get nervous, and of course there's always a chance we could lose. We're looking at one of the better passing offenses in football against literally the worst passing defense in all of football, with Aaron Rodgers getting all of his weapons back. And and yes, having. Aaron Jones and Jamal on the field is going to help in the passing game, not only because they're great receivers as running back, but also because it's going to help open up the passing game. And likely, I shouldn't say definitively, I don't know if Alan Lazard is playing. I don't think that's been definitive yet. But again, we're we're trending toward one of the most healthy and and ready-to-go offenses we've seen in a very long time. And even if Lazard doesn't go, so what? I mean, I don't know that we've heard very much, but I know he was reportedly via Rob Domofsky, who's very, very close to playing last week, which was on a Thursday. So you got, he's almost ready to, he's basically ready to go on Thursday. Then we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It would be kind of weird if he was really close that Thursday, but then, you know, still can't, he's still super close. I think he's playing, man. I mean, just every category, it's just, it's, we're looking at one of the best against one of the worst, right? Uh, Starting field position. Jaguars are 27th, so, so you got to figure the Packers, on average, are going to be getting a relatively good starting field position. On average, the opposing teams against the Jaguars start on the 31-yard line, 31-and-a-half-ish. So that hasn't been going well. Average time per drive, the, the Jaguars are 19th, which isn't that bad, but the Packers are second in that category. Average yards per drive, the Jaguars are 28th. On average, they give up about 38-and-a-half yards every single drive. The Packers are third, getting about 39 yards per drive. Points per drive. The Jaguars are 31st. In an average drive, teams are getting teams are getting about 2.87 points per drive. The Jaguars are, or excuse me, the Packers are third, getting three points per drive, a field goal per drive. So again, this entirely comes down to the Packers imploding. But when the Packers implode, a lot of times it has to do with a stout defense that has come up with a really good game plan that is able to frustrate the Packers in some kind of way. That's not the Jaguars, right? So generally, if you're looking at a team that's not very good but might have a chance against the Packers, you're looking at teams like the Bears. You're looking at teams like the Colts. You're looking at teams that have a solid defense that can frustrate you, that can get you out of your game. There, There's a chance that the Jaguars maybe get something going on offense, maybe can kind of get under the skin of our defense. They actually tend to score points most of the time. I mean, they've had some real bad games, but 25, 25, 27, 29, and 30 they've scored this year. The problem isn't necessarily with their offense, it's their defense. The fact of the matter is, they've allowed less than 27 points once, and they won that game. The defense has set the bar so high for the offense that if you want to win, you've got to score 30 points, and the offense isn't built for that. They've done it a couple times, 
But if you look at what the defense has given up, it's not like if you get over 27, you win. No, that was the lowest outside of 20 points. 27, 30, 31, 33, 33, 34, and 39. So the, for example, the one time they did actually get to 30 points, the opposing team scored 33, which is pretty close to average. Two teams have scored 33 so far this year. So it's not a matter of, I mean, you, you have to get over 27 to even have a chance because that's the baseline. That's what the defense is going to give up. They're going to give up at least 27. If you want to win, you got to get at least to mid-30s, and then you got a shot. That's the bar the defense for the Jaguars has set, and it's just not a, a, a sustainable model, right? You can't, you can't play that way. The other interesting thing is, well, it's twofold. Number one, as I said, the only game in which they won was week one. That's not a good thing. So outside of their upset of the Colts, at least that's what I thought it was at the time. Maybe it still kind of was, but uh, not to the degree that I expected. In other words, the Colts aren't as good as I thought they would be. I know they beat 10. I I shouldn't say that because I did a whole 20-minute segment a couple days ago on the Jets beating the the Patriots, and that didn't happen. So I'm not going to pretend. I didn't sit up and watch it, so I'm not going to pretend to know, and I'm not going to look it up because I don't care. But according to what people told me, the Colts won. But outside of that, and again, it's week one, the Colts were only able to get up to 20 points. The Jaguars' defense got up to 27, which is good for them. Right? It was the third-ish, third-highest scoring game they've had this year. But really, it just came down to the defense was able to stifle a Colts team that's, you know, I mean, just coming out of, I mean, it's week one in, in 2020 with no practice, anything, just a nightmare, plus new co- new quarterback, uh, you know, it's just, just a mess. Since then, they're 0-7. So being 0-7 is not great. On top of that, though, it's not true that, well, they've just been playing a really rough schedule, right? Because that would be another thing you got to look at as well. They've only played, you know, one bad team and they beat that bad team. So, you know, maybe it's just that they're playing really good teams, meaning the Packers would have to be a really good team. to win. That's not the case. The Colts, as I said, are, are not that great. But then it was followed by Tennessee, which when, when it was Tennessee and it was 33-30, to 30, you're still looking at it going, dude, this might be a good Jaguars team. They barely lost to Tennessee. The problem is week three, they play the Dolphins and lose 31-13. to 13. Now, the Dolphins are a little bit better than expected, but they're a middle-of-the-road or slightly better-than-average team, right? They're they're good, but they're not like, watch out for them winning the Super Bowl kind of good. They're the, we're solid enough to beat up on really bad teams, no problem. If you're a bad team like the Jets, we're going to win. If you're the Giants, if you're Washington, if you're the Jaguars, we'll beat you. But 31-13, to that's a brutal beating. Then they play the Bengals, who are terrible. The Bengals won 33 to 25. Then they played the Texans, who are not good. They lost 30 to 14. Now the Texans are a pretty good example. I, I think they're very comparable to the Packers. They got an offense that can absolutely shred your face off, but a defense that's susceptible to getting jacked up pretty good. The offense couldn't overcome even the Texans' defense. Only put up 14 points, and the Jaguars' defense did what the Jaguars' defense does against teams that have decent offenses. And again, remember the Bengals are iffy. They scored 33. Then they go up against the Detroit Lions. Not a good team. Offense isn't even really clicking all that well. The Detroit Lions put up 34 points. So we got the Tennessee Titans, right? The, the offense is decent, but not super elite. They scored 33. The Dolphins, certainly not elite, put up 31. The Bengals, not a good team at all, scored 33 points. The Texans put up 30. The Lions put up 34. And against the Lions defense, which also is not great, they only scored 16. Then you got the Chargers. The uh, the offense kind of woke up a little bit. The offense scored 29 points against the Chargers. They actually followed that up with a 25-point performance against the Texans. So they've been scoring a little bit more points recently. But the Chargers scored 39 points. 
and the Texans scored 27. By the way, for those of you keeping score, I know it's easy for me because I'm looking at it, but for those of you that are not, 27 points is the lowest since week one. It's the first time a team hadn't got to 30 points since week one. The scores had been 33, 31, 33, 30, 34, 39. The Texans squeaked out 27 points. This is a Texans team, remember, who had just gone through um, waiting around, basically everybody waiting around to find out if they're getting shipped off. Right, J.J. Watt didn't know if he was going to be with the team very much longer. Obviously, Will Fuller, he, he commented on it saying it doesn't really feel good just waiting around knowing that your team is just trying to get rid of you, right? I've put everything on the line for this team, and this is how they repay me. That's what they went through. And now we've got, and by the way, that was at home for the Jaguars. The Jaguars now have to go on the road. To give, I guess, a little bit more context on that, the uh, the Jaguars also had a bye, which, you know, take it for what it's worth. I don't know if those are beneficial as much in 2020, but they had a bye. They came out of the bye. Closest game they've had since uh, week two. It's actually a little bit closer than that, but basically the last time they had a close game was week two. And now they got to go on the road against the Green Bay Packers, a team that is just built to destroy the Jacksonville Jaguars. The odds of the Packers not getting to 30 are just astronomically small. And remember, they don't have their starting quarterback. Now, granted, 25 points last week with their backup quarterback, it just they still were able to muster something. But that's also a division rival, so you got to take those games with a grain of salt. So, you know... I mean, it's, I don't like saying it because it's something that, you know, again, it's it's a lame cop-out, but this is very simply, if the Packers just play their game, if, if they're not looking ahead to the week after, this is this is an easy one. I mean, they've had a long week, extra time to prepare, it's at home, it's very cold right now in Wisconsin, and you got the warm weather Jacksonville Jaguars coming up to a very, very cold, frigid Wisconsin, terrible defense. Not going to be able to stop Aaron Jones. I don't know how they're going to stop the pass. Worst passing defense in football. You've got a rookie sixth-round quarterback. I think sixth-round. I keep saying that. It's something like that. Making his second start ever against a guy that, look, say what you want about Mike Pettin. He's a very intelligent guy. If you give him a task that is, hey, how are we going to try to confuse or disorient a quarterback with very, very, very little experience? Mike Pettin is a good person to ask that question. Again, execution is a whole other issue, but you know, as far as you know, dropping guys that you don't expect to be dropped and bringing guys you don't expect—that's kind of what he does, right? There are some defensive coordinators that are very vanilla; they do a certain thing. I think Zimmer is relative—I shouldn't say that. Vic Fangio was kind of known for being vanilla, but you know, we do one steady thing; we just execute it very, very well. Other guys like Petten, like Dom Capers, or whatnot—they kind of built their reputation on being disorienting and confusing and that that works especially to your advantage against a quarterback like Luton so again you can build a case against the Packers of course but it all revolves around yeah but the Packers might blow it and even that I mean you have to lower yourself to such a degree to lose to a team that's been playing this badly I mean it it it, it doesn't it's it's actually not even true that the Packers are would beat themselves into losing. It has to be two things. The Jaguars play above what they've been doing, and the Packers play way down. And if those two things happen, the Jaguars come out a little bit ahead. I mean, the, the it would be the offense would have to completely implode. Because there's there's 30 points is just sitting there for the taking. And the, again, the Jaguars have only reached 30 once. That, that's almost a given against the Jaguars. So get out there. Don't try to get fancy. Just just get in your rhythm, get in your groove, complete some easy passes, do what you do, and as long as everybody's just doing what they do, it's game over. 
And the thing is, even if things get a little bit rocky, a little bit shaky, it's such a bad defense and bad offense. If you get behind a little bit, don't panic. Don't freak out. This team is going to be real easy to overcome a slight deficit. right? If you're down seven by halftime, you're still favored to win by about 14 points. If you can get back in the groove. So that's it. Gots to leave it at that. Again, we'll go a little bit more in depth uh, later, but that's just sort of a general overview of who the Jaguars are and why exactly they're one and seven. Now you know why they're one and seven. It's just it's you know one of the things I always like to look at is offense and defense and kind of the bars that they set. And when there's such a massive gap between what the offense sets their bar at for the defense and what the defense set the sets their bar at for the offense. For example, the offense says, "Hey, I need you to keep them under about 20 points," and the defense is saying, "Well, I need you to get over 30 points." It's such a massive gap that it's just how do you win? How do you win? And and the answer to that question is simple. Our offense has to massively overperform. The defense has to massively overperform to where the defense sets the bar, let's say, below, you know, on a given game. Hey, if you can get over 23 and the offense says, hey, if you can get under, you know, 27, we got this. But again, it's it's both sides have to, and, and, and it's just, why would you expect that? Why would you expect anybody to overperform? Well, because the Packers' defense is so trash. I mean, they're 17th. They're mediocre. This is not the 32nd-ranked defense. Despite the fact that in your brain they're the worst defense you've ever seen in your life, it's not. The Packers' defenses that we've seen over the last 10 years has been worse than this. There's been plenty worse. It's disappointing, yes, but they're 11th in yards, 17th in points. They're mediocre. They're middle of the road. The Houston Texans' defense that they've faced twice, the one that they almost beat, 29th and 30th on defense. So, you know, one of the few defenses that's about as bad as Jacksonville is Houston. Houston does not have as good of an offense, and they have a much worse defense, and they beat the Jaguars twice. The the L.A. Chargers, 21st in points, so they're worse than the Packers. The Detroit Lions are 28th in points, well worse than the Packers, and only 19th on offense. Cincinnati Bengals are 20th, that's worse than the Packers. Tennessee Titans are 16th and 7th on offense. That's basically the same as the Packers, only not quite as good of an offense. And they're 25th in yards. The Packers were, what did I say, 11th? So the the Titans are roughly comparable. The only defenses they've played that are actually any good are the Dolphins and the Colts, and they beat the Colts. The Dolphins are 4th in points. The Colts are 3rd in points allowed. And the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 1-1 one one against them because the first game was a flu. The fact of the matter is the Jaguars have played the worst defenses in football, basically, the Houston Texans, the uh, Detroit Lions, right? Packers are not one of those teams. They're one of the mediocre ones, like the other teams that have beaten them. So, I, I, again, I've, I've spoken my piece on this. There's a reason the Packers are 13.5-point favorites in this game. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.